This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Right now, some economic experts expressing concern about the rise in consumer prices. It's happening at the same time wages are going up. Robert Dye is joining us, chief economist at Comerica Bank, based in Dallas. The noon business hour presented by the Village of Bedford Park. Bob, let's talk about this. Uh, So we understand it here. You have wages going up. People are making more money. But at the same time, there's inflation. Yes, Cisco, this is the the beginnings of a real problem for the Fed to manage through. They're responsible responsible for price stability in the U.S. economy. And so what we see, everyone knows how expensive things are getting. Overall, CPI up 6.2% year over year. And what this does is is this puts pressure on individuals uh, to, to change jobs, to try and get higher wages and all that. This puts pressure on companies in terms of their profitability when wages go up. So now they have to raise their prices, and that just contributes to this overall wage price spiral. So while I think things are not out of control right now, I, I think we've got some glowing embers out there, and we have to be careful with this doesn't turn into a real fire creating lots of distortions and inefficiencies in the economy. Because what ends up happening, and, and you, you mentioned, I mean, we may not be there yet, or maybe we are. Uh, you, you have people who feel better because they're making more money. Maybe they move to another job and they got a better salary. And yet when it comes down to the nuts and bolts of their spending power, they're seeing it at the, at the gas pump, at the grocery stores. They're, they're, they're just not really having as much money as they thought they would have. Absolutely right. And economists have a funny term for that. We call that money illusion. When we feel like we're seeing more zeros or a little bit more on the paycheck, but we're also spending a lot more, too, because prices are going up. And we're actually going backwards when we think we're going forward. So uh, from the standpoint of uh, the the Fed or others, is there really anything that they can do? Do they just have to ride this out? Uh, A lot of people are, are looking for, can someone please do something to stop this? Well, yeah, this is a really tricky issue because the Fed is responsible for price stability in the U.S. economy. And they they oftentimes, when when things get really hot, think about the Volcker years decades ago, he uh, increased interest rates to put a break on the economy to keep it from overheating. We're not at that point yet. But again, this is sort of delicate now for the Fed because... They want to figure out how to try to keep this expansion going in the early stages, how to unwind all this extraordinary policy, and yet they don't want things to overheat. So they're in a position here where they're thinking about the brake and the accelerator at the same time. That's a tough place for the Fed. Is there anything consumers can do in an economic environment like this? It seems like they get caught up in it, and there's really not much. They just sort of have to deal with it. 
Well, yes, and, and it's especially difficult for people, for households on fixed incomes, uh, retirees who are dependent on their cost of living increase to the consumer, you know, Social Security index to the consumer price index. And they just have to be careful with the spending right now because they may, they are getting a pretty good cost of living increase, but individual items, gasoline well up, used car prices well up. So you can get burned here if you're not careful in how you're spending those those fixed income dollars. Thanks so much for all the analysis. Robert Dye, chief economist at Comerica Bank. Some houses of worship looking at cryptocurrency as a new way to fill the collection plate. Let's learn more about it from Bill Uliveri, owner of Senecal Capital Management. His website, SenecalCapital.com. Bill, it's always good to have you on the show here. What are these houses of worship trying to do? They're trying to appeal to their younger audience and their younger congregation. This is super exciting, Cisco. I mean, if there's any issue close to my heart, it's the concept of like where philanthropy and religious giving meet cryptocurrency. This is like the ultimate fulfillment of the value proposition for Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. Uh, being able to send donations anywhere in the world for virtually no cost. Because uh, right now, you know, in the United States, it takes like 45 days to send U.S. dollar donation to India. And I would use up all my three minutes if I had to, if I had to outline every single step uh, in what it takes. So this is a huge leveling field. You know, I, I've served on a couple of executive boards for religious organizations, and they still run like it's 1994. I mean, there's a battle to execute on their mission statement, and they're fighting a headwind also on their expenses. You know, these poor non-for-profits and churches, religious organizations, they're like running on a treadmill and they can hardly keep up because their expenses keep on increasing and their donations kind of stay about the same. Um, there's there's a, a radio station just up the dial from you, uh, and I've been begging them to accept Bitcoin since October 25th, 2016. And so now we're seeing it more on the evangelical side. We're seeing it in the, the Silicon Valley side where churches are accepting cryptocurrency because it's so easy. You know, it's it's easier than Venmo, you know, it's easier than PayPal. Nobody has cash. Nobody writes a check anymore. And this is, this is so exciting because you can, they can now receive donations anywhere in the globe for virtually no expense, no fee, no credit card processing fee, no bank fees. This is a huge, huge deal. Well, you mentioned that, that many of them are, are behind the times when it comes to that giving. They still want cash or check. So some of them aren't even dealing with credit, credit or debit cards or, or bank account debits. Is the reason some of them just literally don't understand it, and so they don't realize that it is the sort of thing that they could do and, and could do rather simply? You know, I think there's just, you know, there's momentum in the way a mission statement is, is executed. There's you know, they're, they're kind of happy where they're at. It's very hard to make change, right? It's very hard to change. We would say that in all of our lives. And so for, again, for the boards that I've served on or volunteered on, you know, it, it might be hard and it might be difficult, but they're almost afraid to take a chance to do something a little bit different. And what we're seeing again at these younger churches is that they have a young congregation and they want to, they're asking them, how do you want to give? How can we make it easy for you? Especially during the pandemic. And even at my own local church, they still have bags that the ushers hold outside that you can make a contribution on the way out. Like, why do we have to do that? Why can't there be a QR code on the back of the pew so I can just send Bitcoin or Dogecoin or some other cryptocurrency? And that's considered property. At least Bitcoin is. That's considered property donation. So um, 
it, there's 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 so much to talk about here because also people that hold Bitcoin, especially in the Silicon Valley, you know, techie world, they have massive gains, and they're going to want to make those donations as soon as possible, you know, toward the end of the year. So here you have religious institutions and churches and non for profits having the ability to take Bitcoin rather than say a piece of art or property or shares of AMC or or IBM as a gift at the end of year. So this is, opens up a whole new window of donations, both inbound and, and, uh, and allowing people to donate the way they want to donate, right? To, to, give, to give Caesar what is Caesar's and to give to the church what they want to give to the church. Yeah, fascinating. And, and if you're willing to pivot, there, there is money out there that is being given away. You just have to be willing to do it. Thanks so much, Bill Uliberry, owner of Senecal Capital Management. News that makes you money. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Johnson & Johnson planning to separate into two companies, one focusing on pharmaceuticals, the other on consumer health products. The stock today is up right about 1.5%. We welcome Bruce Japson, Chicago-based healthcare writer for Forbes. Bruce, why is Johnson & Johnson doing this? Well, Cisco, a lot there in the healthcare space in particular, there's a a rich history, uh, even in the northern suburbs, of dividing up and, and uh, spinning off healthcare companies once the, the, the franchise gets big. So you look at Johnson & Johnson, you know, they uh, have a lot of pharmaceuticals, prescription drugs, and so forth, including uh, they have a COVID vaccine. They're looking at this thing, hey, we can spin off these consumer healthcare products in a, in a separate company, you know, Listerine and all the brands that people know and when they get them at the drugstore, uh, because you can, the company gets so big, and they say, listen, we need to more focus, uh, uh, have a new management team focus on the prescription drugs. I mean, vaccines, uh, prescription drugs, they're a higher growth area, and they require a lot of money for research and development. So they basically say, hey, if we spin this uh, consumer products company off, then it, management has a, a better focus. And, and in you know, Abbott uh, did that when they separated their medical products and, and so forth away from the pharmaceuticals to form AbbVie. So you had the prescription drugs in a separate company, a little different, but there's a history. And guess what happened there? You ended up having two companies, different management teams, and I think combined those companies are worth over uh, $200 billion now when they were worth, I don't know, I think as one company, maybe, a, you know, $100 billion or less. A few years ago so that's kind of why they do it really sounds like it allows each of the the divisions to really truly focus on what it does best and and allow all of its energy to go into that yeah it does have um these companies johnson and johnson is so big and the companies are looking for wall street's looking for ways it's not that the consumer products aren't making a lot of money but they're not making as much money as prescription drugs so it might be a little bit of a drag on the parent company. So they're saying, let's spend it off and get a little more focus here. Thanks so much. Really interesting to see why they're doing this. Again, J&J is up right about 1.5% today. Wall Street seems to like their plan to separate out into two companies. That's Bruce Japson, Chicago-based healthcare writer for Forbes. Bye. Sell. Listen. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The market's positive so far on this Friday. The Dow up 130. The Nasdaq is up 141. And the S&P up 29 points. Let's see what's going on. Jim Awad is here, Senior Managing Director at Clearstead Advisors, LLC. Jim, it's good to have you on the show. What do you make of what you're seeing on Wall Street today? 
Well, it's a bounce after a uh, reasonably negative week. And here's what I attribute it to. The biggest risks to the markets are inflation and rising interest rates. Uh, and and uh, the, the bond market was closed yesterday, and it opened today, and you did not sustain an increase in interest rates. Uh, there was a, 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 a modest uptick, uh, but nothing serious, so that, that gave the market some comfort. In addition, uh, the consumer sentiment number, while you might view it as being negative, it basically said that consumers are paying attention to inflation, and uh, that might reduce demand a little bit. And the way we get out of this inflation uh, bind is to reduce demand a little bit and increase supply. So that's actually a positive. And then uh, Toyota said that they, uh, uh, the semiconductor shortage was easing, uh, which is very important for the supply side of the economy. So a little bit of a, a, a little bit of encouraging news on inflation, and then of course the Johnson and Johnson uh, uh, split up shows that corporate America is very attentive to creating shareholder value. So you got a slight bounce after a negative week. Talk about the challenge earlier on the show. We talked about the fact that uh, you, you have wages growing. But you have inflation really eating into that, maybe even surpassing that. Talk about the challenge as people look at potential earnings. They're just not going to have the same kind of money to spend as inflation's eating up all of that extra money. Yeah, it's it's a real negative, and it's being reflected in consumer sentiment and uh, uh, in in the uh, satisfaction with the government down in Washington, and that's clearly a negative. And you do you do have to have increased wages uh, and reduced inflation so that real uh, disposable income starts to go up. And uh, next year is going to be a challenge because you're going to be withdrawing monetary stimulus, raising rates. Uh, at a time when in the first the first half of next year you're going to have con- uh, sustained high inflation. So next year could be um, a little bit prob- pro- problematic, but the rest of this year I think should be good. It's seasonally uh, a good time for the economy and, and the markets. And I think that uh, as we speak, corporations for the moment are able to raise prices and maintain uh, profit margins. As you look at third quarter earnings reports when they came in, uh, revenue remain very strong and margins remained near peak uh, uh, levels so that uh, earnings were strong and I expect the same for the fourth quarter. So I think we should finish the year strong and start off next year strong but uh, as we work our way through the year there are a lot of issues that we have to pay attention to. And talk about how investors should navigate that given all the uncertainty that you're talking about is they try to do their best to make the most of a market like this. Yeah, well, I think uh, you, you, you upgrade your quality. You know, you're deep into the recovery in the markets. Uh, uh, valuations are, uh, are not crazy, but elevated. Uh, and uh, uh, there, there, is, there is increasing risk from interest rate increases. So what you want to do is stick with your highest quality stocks. You can continue to own some reopening stocks like, you know, hotel and leisure stocks, but also the sustainable growth companies that can continue to do well regardless of what happens to the economy. I mean, next year, the companies, uh, your, your Apples and Microsofts of the world uh, should be able to show good earnings growth, even if there are some bumps in the economy next year. So let's talk about Johnson & Johnson, the stock up about one and a half percent today. The company announcing they plan on breaking it up in two. What should investors think? I mean, one of those companies better than the other? Or is it too early to tell? Well, it, it is too early to tell, but most of the commentary of the people who should know today uh, have been positive that they're going to uh, unlock value by doing the split up, uh, but it's going to take it's going to take a couple of years. But it looks like it, it makes strategic sense, 
And in the long run, uh, the pieces should be worth more than Johnson and Johnson would have been if they had done nothing. Yeah, that's interesting because that, that often happens, right? When you, you have companies separated out, they're on their own, they're fighting for survival on their own, they, they, they do tend to perform better. Yeah, you have you 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 have a focus. Each part of the business has uh, greater clarity of focus and incentive uh, from the from the managers on their parts of the business rather than the whole. So if if he, if each of the pieces is financed properly, uh, then it, it should it should unleash and unlock value greater than if nothing had been done. Thanks so much for all of the insight, Jim Awad, Senior Managing Director at Clearstead Advisors LLC. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Cash, credit, debit, and totally free. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Entrepreneur Friday. This afternoon, we're spotlighting a downtown Chicago medical practice that specializes in cosmetic procedures that use injectables. We're joined by Dr. Sri Sullivan, founder of Chicago Aesthetics Club. Doctor, it's good to have you joining us. So when you say that you focus on injectables for cosmetic procedures, for people who aren't aware of or understand that, help us to understand what is that? Yeah, hi, Cisco, and happy Friday. Uh, happy to be here. Thank you so much. So the injectables that I offer are Botox, which are anti-wrinkle treatments, fillers, which can be enhancements for lips and cheeks and other areas of the face, and Kybella, which is fat dissolvent uh, used for the double chin area. So talk about the benefits of uh, people focusing on injectables for these as opposed to a, a full-on surgery, which a lot of people do. Well, you brought up a good point, the word surgery. These are non-surgical treatments. They're done in the office. They're quick, convenient, and affordable compared to surgery. So it's a great option, and especially as trends are changing over time, people have different needs and different looks they want. Um, It's really exciting. Are you finding as people come out of the pandemic that, uh, you know, a lot of them haven't been at work a lot of the last year and a half, uh, that people are more concerned about how they're looking as they're heading back to the office? Absolutely. And all of their hours on Zoom actually has created a huge surge in a desire for these injectables because they're actually looking at themselves more often. Um, and then now with the holiday season coming up, uh, people want to look good. They want to look their best. They're, it's kind of like a re-entry into, into society and they want to look good. So for people who are or maybe are a little scared, even though it is injectable and not surgery, uh, and any potential drawbacks and anything they should be concerned about, or, or is it you know, pretty much you come in and you get it done and it, it looks pretty good? It's really like what you said. You pretty much come in and it looks Pretty good. Botox, the results take two weeks. Fillers are instant. And Kybella, it takes about a month to see the results. Uh, Basically, I mean, we still have to remember these are medical procedures. I take the consent and the consultations very seriously and go through the pros and cons with my patients. And at the end of the day, it's their decision and they're, they're happy with the results. I'm happy about that. 
One of the things we like to do in this segment is we're talking with an entrepreneur to other entrepreneurs, that's who we're speaking to, is how people often pivot, where, where they see a hole in the market and they say, I think I'm going to make a change. You're a former OBGYN. Now you're doing these cosmetic injectable procedures. Uh, what is it as an entrepreneur that made you say, hey, there's a hole in the market here. I, I think I need to try something else. Well, the hole in the market, I think, is in so many different industries, it's customer service personalized attention. I have a niche practice, only injectables, and every patient has direct access to me by phone, by text, and it's all about the customers. So I don't want people to wait. I don't want people to have to send an email. I want to be accessible and um, be there for them throughout the entire process. So the customer service all along the way in the industry is important. And I saw a loss of that in the hospital setting that I want to bring back to people. Yeah, it's one of the things that uh, people want in any setting, but especially in a medical setting, that good customer service. Thanks so much. That's Dr. Sri Sullivan, founder of Chicago Aesthetics Club. The only program dedicated to currency events. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. One of the problems faced by online retailers, too many returns. Let's find out how they're dealing with the issue. Matt Ran is here, co-founder and chief tech officer at Bundle AR here in Chicago. Uh, Matt, this started with online outfits saying, hey, we'll let you return every, you know, anything you want. You could just return it to us. And they needed to do that in order to compete with bricks and mortar, right? Yeah, I mean, it's all about convenience for the customer. That's how it all started. So and what are they doing now that there's it. a problem? Well, so one of the solutions um, that you're hearing about is people are using augmented reality to be able to see things before you buy them. So you can actually use augmented reality to put a product in your physical space and sort of preview it. And that, you know, gives you a sense of what it's actually going to look like. So when you do get it, it's going to look more like what you expect and, you know, not as likely to return it. So augmented reality, what, I take out my phone, I, I point it at my living room and I see what a piece of furniture would look like. I mean, is, is that what we're kind of talking about? That's part of it, but it can be anything. It can be furniture, it can be a piece of clothing, it can be a watch. Um, there's there's companies that are using it with makeup to, you know, even doing like the selfie face tracking type stuff so you can almost see what makeup will look like. Um, and, you know, it even goes beyond some of the e-commerce that's happening. You're starting to see retailers that are actually bringing the augmented reality into their stores as people are going back to stores as well. And all of this is designed to allow them to have uh, fewer products returned. I mean, it, it's got to be huge for their bottom line. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's obviously a financial incentive. You, it comes down to a couple of things. It's making the consumer a, you know, a little bit happier, a little bit less likely. If they don't want to return, if they don't have to return something, it, that's a good financial hit right there. But also, if it's more convenient for them, they're more likely to do it again. So they're likely to be a return shopper. It's, it's definitely a financial incentive at the end of the day. So is the, the technology being used? I mean, I, I mentioned a phone. I mean, is it as simple as having your phone out? Is it some sort of a kiosk or something in the store? How, how are they actually utilizing this? It's usually through the mobile device because, I mean, let's face it, most of us today are almost living on our mobile devices all the time. So if you're doing stuff in your home, it's likely to be driven by the mobile phone. Um, it might be a mobile phone experience in the store, but there are actually some stores that have, you know, the mirrors that'll have, it's actually kind of a, a mix between a mirror and a screen. It's got a camera so you can sort of see yourself and yourself being augmented with, you know, clothing to try on. Or I've seen shoes. I've seen it with makeup as well. Is this uh, tech? Uh, sunglasses. Warby Parker did it with sunglasses too. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, well, so you'd know exactly what they'd look like. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Right. Yeah. Uh, are we talking the uh, technology's already reached mom and pop stores, or is it still too expensive, not as widely distributed yet? 
And I don't think I don't think the expense is really a concern. It's more a little bit of a, an awareness. Obviously, the bigger brands are faster to get there because you know they're they're constantly researching what's new and what's available. And I don't think it's the expense that's really stopping smaller retailers. I think it's more they just don't know what's out there and it's you know, harder for them to do the research. Yeah, little by little, they'll Not find out. Resources. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Thank you, Matt Wren, co-founder, chief tech officer at Bundle AR here in Chicago. If you missed any part of today's noon business hour, the replay podcast will be available shortly at WBBMnewsradio.com and the Odyssey app. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. The clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 